0: and you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash SlashFilm. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to SlashFilm Daily for July 10th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest Star Wars Episode Nine casting and ask the question as to why female superhero movies are stuck in the past. This is SlashFilm editor-in-chief Peter Soretta. and joining me on today's podcast is a writer for StarWars.com, uh, the podcaster for full of sith and our own star wars expert on SlashFilm.com, Brian Young Hey thanks for having me again Yeah there's some big star wars news that broke yesterday after we recorded the podcast and that is uh I guess a confirmation that Billy D Williams is going to return as Lando Calrissian in Star Wars Episode 9 This had been rumored for quite some time because I guess uh Billy D had canceled uh a convention appearance which led to the rumors and now hollywood reporter is confirming those rumors although we haven't gotten one of those nice spiffy uh press releases from lucasfilm so it's not yet you know confirmed by the mouse house but yeah. we're, we're gonna assume this is true right
2: yeah i mean um it's been reported uh there's uh Fanta tracks who has a pretty good track record inside the world of star wars because they're based in the uk and and have a lot of production context kind of broke it and then the convention appearances started getting canceled and then hollywood reporter came in so there's there's a lot to sink your teeth into uh to think that this is probably going to pan out for sure
1: we, we love to speculate in all things star wars so you know we we want to speculate in like what lando's role would be in Star Wars Episode Nine, But before we get to that, I guess we should, you know, kind of fill in the details of like, you know, what was Lando up to the last time we saw him in the movies?
2: Um, you know, the last time we saw him in the movies, he was celebrating on Endor with with everybody on, you know, after the, the destruction of the Empire. And the story sort of continued from there where uh, in the new canon material, he worked to liberate Bespin and make sure that the Empire lost control of that facility. And Went back to administer that while at the same time working in uh, the manufacture of droids per the aftermath and the um, last shot novel. Um,
1: novels. Didn't he, did he
2: get a wife, like an alien wife
1: or girlfriend of some um, kind?
2: There was, in last shot, he had a, a, a Twi'lek girlfriend. Girlfriend. And he seemed like he was going to commit to her, but there was no... Marriage or marriage proposal or anything in that and then the last time we've heard about him in the canon is during bloodline Uh, Bloodline is the novel that happens about five or six years before the force awakens and that's where uh, The the galaxy discovers who Luke and Leia's uh, father really is And the only mention we get of Lando Calrissian in that book is that he sends a word of support to Leia who's had since to resign from the Senate uh, because of this revelation, he, he sends her a note of support. And that's the last time we've heard from him in the canon uh, before, before the timeline of Force Awakens and, and Last Jedi so far.
1: Well, it's interesting. This isn't the first time that we've heard rumors that Lando would appear in the Star Wars movies. It, he was rumored to appear in Ryan Johnson's uh, Star Wars Last Jedi. That turned out not to be true. But we did get the character of DJ, which many fans believed, you know, would have been better if Lando was in that role. Because, but in my mind, it would have probably been like too much of the same note of what, you know, of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, but um Let's let's talk about okay. So, what is the possibility of Lando in in Episode Nine? Uh, do, do we? Uh, what if he is? I, I think you proposed this when I was talking to you offline. Like, what if he is one of those people that's set up in the Last Jedi that is thriving because of the First Order? He is like a weapons manufacturer, or you know, providing droids.
2: Yeah, no, that's interesting in that they've introduced the idea that he is involved in droid manufacturing, and if this goes full circle, you know, maybe a droid army for, uh, in episode nine will bookcase the droid army in episode one, not that I think J.J. J. Abrams is a, a a fan of that idea, but if nothing else, maybe he could have also been, I think the first place everybody goes to in their head is that he was one of the allies that they were looking for help from when they were calling on crates. So maybe he could be one of the people making money selling weapons to the first order, or maybe he could be manufacturing droids to put the resistance on an even playing field against the first order. Uh, or maybe, I mean, at his age, he could very well just be retired. And this is him realizing he needs to come back out for, for one last score as it were.
1: Like, I feel like the obvious, you know, bit of speculation is that he is going to be a leader in the re- new resistance because the resistance is has kind of been decimated at the end of Last Jedi and um you know, he you know, he would be the only what, like, old guard of the original trilogy to appear in the movie. Uh well, I mean, I,
2: mean, I think Luke could. I mean, what is death to someone who knows the path <laughs> to immortality?
1: Yes, he could definitely be a force ghost of some kind, um, haunting Kylo. Uh but I I guess, you know, Last Jedi just sent this whole message of like, you know, you have to kill the past is is jj J. J. abrams obviously killed the past and force awakens killing han solo uh does does this maybe uh speak uh bad you know is this a bad sign for billy d- billy d williams character
2: well you, you notice i think everybody kind of says you know the 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 idea of you know you have to kill the past Uh, is the point of The Last Jedi, but I'm not so sure it is. And if you notice, Ryan Johnson's very careful to give those words to the villain, right? Kylo's the one who says that. It's Yoda who sort of turns that on its side and says, "No, no, 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 we don't need to kill the past. We need to learn from the failures of the past. And what character better exemplifies that than Lando Calrissian, who had to learn from his past to save his friends and lead a more uh upright life
1: i mean that's a good point as well uh i <laughs> i uh i i'm wondering also like having lando as a resistance leader seems too on the nose for a jj abrams movie like he's yeah very you know he loves his mystery boxes he loves you know you not knowing whose side someone is on uh playing with the audience you know having some kind of interesting clever twist to it and I can't just see I I can't imagine what that would be with Lando. I guess maybe that we think the whole movie that he's with the the First Order and it turns out he's a spy for the resistance or something.
2: But I think that might be that might be obvious, right? Where it's like if if we show up and we see Lando and he's working for the First Order, everyone in the audience is going to know, nope, he's going to turn back. He's going to do that. So, if they were to do the twist the other way where he's working with the resistance and all of a sudden turns at that point because he needs to keep Bespin safe or uh, you know he didn't have a choice. It would be very much in his character to do that. Or this could be nothing more than a cameo, right? It could be something like he's in a Maz Kanata situation, right, where they just end up at a watering hole that he happens to own or they end up on Bespin, uh for safe harbor and he's just there.
1: It should also be mentioned this is Star Wars and whenever someone of the same skin color is cast in the movie, fans have to speculate. Could this be Finn's father?
2: Um, You know, (laughs) you know, it's it's one of those things I kind of I kind of hate those speculations. But if JJ were to lean into that, you know, we do know that that Finn was taken from his family at a very young age. uh, uh, But, you know, if you if you work out the timeline, you know, Billy D. Williams is 81, 82 right now. So he'd have had to be in his 60s to have sired Finn.
1: Uh,
2: you know, it, it, it doesn't. Well, we, we, we don't doesn't know how really old
1: you can be to father a kid in the Star Wars galaxy.
2: Yeah, no. And, and there's no there's no reason to think that that he couldn't at that age. But it seems like a Lando at that age, you know, there would have been a, a death wish revenge story uh, of him trying to get his kid back.
1: Oh, for sure. And, and and the worst thing about it is it would just make this universe even smaller when we want yeah. it to be larger. Um, ben Pearson, who often co-hosts this podcast with me, and he's a writer for uh when this was rumored, he brought up a, a possibility I wanted to bring up to you okay. that maybe, you know, following the story of Solo, a Star Wars story, which I know you're a big fan of, um, maybe this film could end... In some way, with Rey giving the Millennium Falcon back to Lando,
2: I that that could that could very much uh, come into play. Though I'm not sure she'd give it to him out from under Chewie. I wonder, with the way Rey acts, with her being very, I don't know, meek and, and sort of not necessarily understanding her worth in the greater rebellion. I think at the end of the Last Jedi, it kind of tells us that 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 ship is the is the resistance's ship not any one of theirs hmm. right um but i i do like the idea of getting giving lando one last scene in the cockpit right we had we had one last scene in the cockpit with han in force awakens in last jedi luke got his moment in the cockpit and you know we didn't see lando in the cockpit until right at the tail end of empire and then through all of the end of jedi Cycling that that circular nature of Star Wars, seeing him in the cockpit of the Falcon and Nine makes a lot of
3: sense.
1: Yeah, and giving hi- giving that kind of uh, resolution to Solo and that re- a reunion of sorts with L three, I think could yeah. be uh, an emotional moment that could make that Star Wars
2: story even better. Um, and it could team him up with Nine numb too, who is there on the Falcon at the end, and that was his co pilot in Return of the Jedi. Oh,
1: good point. I I didn't even think about that. Uh, Do you have any last thoughts on uh, what role Lando may play in episode nine?
2: Well, I think the frustrating thing is, is we all want to really dive in and think about where he (laughs) could be. But we don't even know what kind of time frame this film is going to be in. A lot of my sort of off the, you know, back of the envelope calculations about how I think they'd have to move the timeline forward to deal with. Leia is to move it you know give us 5 6 maybe even 10 years Lando coming in if that's the case there he's either going to have to play older or maybe it's a flashback or maybe would they really do open on Leia's funeral and this is Billy this is Billy D Williams coming back as Lando to pay his final respects to Leia um you know, there's, there's, there's because we know so little about the film, what time frame it takes place in, and and where in the galaxy it takes place. It's really hard to just say, oh, Billy D. Williams is going to be in it. Uh, where, where could we think he he might fit? And really, it's up to the super creative J. J. Abrams and Chris Terrio to decide where that is. And uh, until we have a little bit more information from their playbook, it's almost impossible to know what it's going to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think odds are that they're going to have to make a big, a rather large time jump into the story and that would easily make it, you know, an easy and viable way of introducing Lando who's been there for a while as a resistance leader. Um, although maybe they would want to not do that. Maybe they would want to introduce him to us in the story as it happens. So yeah, yeah, we really don't have any idea, but, uh, We'll, we'll be keeping a close eye on this as, the you know, as the production starts uh, shortly, right? Like later this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, it, it, I, later this month. Yeah.
1: Wow. Another Star Wars movie is going to be in production. That makes me so happy and excited. Uh, Brian, where can people find more of your work online?
2: Uh, well, uh, if you can go, want to go straight to SlashFilm, I've been doing the movies that made Star Wars series there. My last piece was about the influence of Patton on Grand Admiral Thrawn. My next one is about The Last Temptation of Christ and Luke's handling in The Last Jedi. Um, and then you can find my work at StarWars.com where I, I'm doing all kinds of different stuff there. And my podcast, FullOfSith.com. And uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm always there. Uh, talking about Star Wars, which is at Swankmotron.
1: Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: And now time for our feature presentation, I'm going to bring on Slash Film writer, y Bui.
3: Hey, everyone.
1: Last week, HT wrote this great article on the site called Why Are So Many Female Superheroes Stuck in the Past? And I thought it was a great point that uh, I did not think about. So, HT, uh, tell us about it.
3: So, so many is kind of a term that I use liberally because there are only two real major solo female superhero films that have come out in the past decade or will come out soon, and that's Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. Uh, We've had some in the past, but they haven't done so well and haven't had quite the attention that Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel have now with the age of superheroes that we're in. So I kind of noticed this as the uh, filming for Wonder Woman 1984 was going on, which is the sequel to the first Wonder Woman, and um, I was thinking, why are both Wonder Woman solo movies set in past decades? So the first Wonder Woman is set in the 1910s, uh, towards the end of World War One, and it's her introduction to the civilization of man and society. And uh, they have they kind of do World War One as sort of a play off of her World War Two origins and everything. Uh, but there is no, no real reason to set her sequel in 1984, which is where uh, the second Wonder Woman is set in. Uh, It just seems like it's unnecessary, and also it feels like it sets a character who is such a great modern icon for for so many young girls today, Uh, again in the past where she deals with uh, the rampant sexism and uh, workplace harassment of um, the early decades without having to tie it with sort of the modern uh political issues of feminism that's become so divisive today
1: but, but do you think do you think that's why the, that setting it today might get too political like uh, that we that's can see my, by, with our glasses our 2020 glasses like it's yeah. easier to set it in the past
3: that's my thinking is that uh, you know wonder woman is this uh Icon of female empowerment, and instead of placing it in modern day where she can deal with modern day female issues like equal pay or something, which might rile up, you know, people who will accuse movies of being SJWs, uh, it is easier to set in the past where we know that there's rampant sexism and we know that, you know, she's always she's going to prove these men wrong, and that it was part of that time. And I think that, uh, I, my reason, my. Thinking is that uh, by setting these movies in in the past, they Hollywood does not really know how to uh, t- tackle issues of um, sexism in modern day context. They only are it's easier to do it in this yeah, like you said, rosy uh, nostalgic glasses because we know that men were in the wrong back then and women were you know suppressed back then and yeah, we, it,
1: it's, it, it, it's easier hard to hard set. To Yeah, it's easier to set like a racism tale back Mm -hmm. in like the, you know, the age of, you know, when uh, that whole transition with Martin Luther King and stuff like that than it is today, I think. Yeah, Um,
3: it's why we have so many movies about slavery and so few movies about modern day police shootings or violence against modern day black men. It's it's just harder and uh, more politically polarizing. Yeah, And, and.
1: You know, it should be mentioned that, you know, it isn't just the Wonder Woman films that are doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, Captain Marvel is coming out in that set in the 1990s. Maybe maybe so more for, you know, because they need to set her up before like the modern MCU. Uh, But Marvel has also done this before with uh, Peggy Carter.
3: Yeah, so Peggy Carter is part of Steve Rogers' uh backstory when he was first created in World War II. And I kind of I noticed a lot of like the similar story beats with Wonder Woman's story kind of done in Peggy Carter's solo series Agent Carter. And it's her Dealing with you know workplace harassment and sexism and people underestimating underestimating her in the '60s, and she constantly has to prove them wrong. And I remember when the series first came out, uh, there was actually a little bit of chatter around the series with some people saying, "Oh, it seems like this the sexism is just over the top." And like, and people like, "No, that's actually how it is back then." And To be honest, it's how it is today, too. But it's easier almost to tackle it in the 60s rather than it is today. It's like sort of Mad Men. You always know that the characters will be dealing with these obstacles of sexism. But it's it's different than if you're if you're tackling it today.
1: Okay, so now all this said, it seems like, you know, the future is bright for female superheroes. It it seems like, you know, we're not going to be stuck in the past forever, Especially, with, you know, with the Wasp uh, being introduced kind of in Ant-Man and the Wasp and uh, hopefully Black Widow getting her own uh, movie. But we don't know that's not a prequel. So Yeah, it's
3: concerning because there have been reports early on saying that the Black Widow movie will be a prequel, which will again be set in the past. And it really is, I think, time for us to see women in the modern day context that they are now and to have more girls, young girls who are watching these movies be able to look up to people who are dealing with issues that they're dealing with today.
1: Yeah, and it, it should be mentioned there are other things on TV, right? You mentioned that mm-hmm. in your article.
3: Yes, Jessica Jones and Supergirl are both set in modern day, uh, but they're they, and while they're really great TV shows, it doesn't have quite the same uh, sphere of influence as major motion pictures. So I'm hoping as you know we get more female-led superhero movies and more solo efforts from female uh, with female characters, that we'll see like a change in this. And this isn't a trend or something that we stay with as we get more female led films
1: see i'm 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 really curious what kevin Feige or patty jenkins would would say about uh you know this because it's such an interesting idea that i i, I did just did not think about until your piece uh which can be read on slashfilm.com uh, i would recommend everybody go check it out because there's a lot more that we did not talk about here H.C. where can people find more of your work
3: So you can find me every day at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBui.
1: You can find more of all the articles we talked about in today's podcast on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. Uh, This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify. You can subscribe on all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And uh, please go rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell your friends. And we'll see you tomorrow.